Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Wednesday, the 10th of January, 2024, the 29th of Tevet, 5784. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Coming to you this morning from Gush Etzion, Israel, the hills of Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. I'm recording again outside. I had no complaints about my podcast. I think it was two weeks ago when I recorded outdoors. So hopefully, once again, the sound will be of pure quality here. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning. It is chilly. It is sunny. This is uh, this is our version of winter here. It's actually supposed to rain, which is a a good sign for the land of Israel. I don't know how good it is for our troops who are valiantly fighting down in Gaza and those who are fighting up in northern Israel as well as the war against evil rages on. Israel making uh, slow but steady advancements against the forces of Hamas, the forces of evil down in the south, and preparing for what may come in the north as uh, Hezbollah does continue to fire rockets and other Hamas-affiliated groups firing rockets at communities and army positions in northern Israel with Israel responding on a daily basis. That is where we are right now here, January the 10th, more than three months after the Hamas brutal massacre against the residents of southern Israel. Getting to the news, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is once again in the region. I wonder what he's doing here. Maybe it's an election year in the United States. But Blinken is back traveling through the Middle East, and he just this morning visited with PA head Mahmoud Abbas. I'll talk about that here in just a minute. But I want to go over some of the messages that Blinken has been sending out on Twitter, on X, um, after... He has been having some of these meetings with leaders all over the Middle East and here with President Isaac Herzog, Prime Minister Netanyahu. On January the 8th, two days ago, Blinken said the following. I don't don't remember exactly where he was when he said this. Even as we focus on immediate goals, we also must work toward enduring peace and security. The United States has a vision for a regional approach that delivers lasting security for Israel, and a state for the Palestinian people. I think he said this in the UAE. So, giving those responsible, according to the Secretary of State of the United States, the biggest superpower in the world, giving those responsible, or those who supported what happened on October 7th, a state will bring peace. Am I understanding that logic correctly? Israel gives away parts of Judea and Samaria, as we did back in the 90s. And what do we get? We got war, the Oslo War. They call it the Second Intifada. I call it the Oslo War. 1,500 dead. Israel then gives away Gush Katif in 2005. And now, as a result of October 7th, you have 1,200 dead and then plus another 100. 80 soldiers dead, so nearly 1,400 dead. I'm seeing a pattern here, folks. Yet the administration in Washington wants Israel to make more land concessions and give the PA a state. How absurd is this thinking? How insane is this thinking? 
doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results, that's called insanity. Yes, thank you to the U.S. for the arms and the support, but this is pure insanity. So then he did, Blinken did meet with Prime Minister Netanyahu and he said the following on X. Met with Israeli PM, that's the, uh, uh, he's talking about Netanyahu, and reaffirmed our support for Israel's right to prevent another October 7th for occurring. Thanks a lot, right? Well, you just said you wanted to give the PA a state, so I'm not, a state, so I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Blinken said, I also stressed the importance of avoiding civilian harm protecting civilian infrastructure and ensuring the distribution of humanitarian assistance throughout Gaza. He reportedly said that the civilian death toll in Gaza was too high. So this from the country that justifiably, let's be clear, justifiably dropped not one but two atomic bombs on civilian sites in World War II after Japan launched an attack on a military site, by the way, military target Pearl Harbor. Hamas, on the other hand, launches a surprise attack, raping, torturing, and murdering 1,200 Israelis, mostly civilians, in Israel. And our response, even as Hamas uses their own civilians as human shields, is apparently too high. Our response is too high. What is the logic here? As I said before, it is an election season in the United States. The Democrats don't want to look like they are supporting Israel too much because it's bad for business. So now I see, now I understand. Instead, they will rip Israel for too many civilian deaths, openly call for a PA state because that is what the party is all about when it comes to the Middle East. And what am I talking about? Specifically weakness and concessions. That has always been the party platform here when it comes to Israel, from Clinton to Obama to Joe Biden. The only way to make terrorists happy is to appease them, give them more land, more money, right? These people do not understand the Middle East. They don't know the Middle East. They know Canada, right? Big, strong Canada on the U.S. border. Such a threat that they have to worry about. They have to deal with them all the time, but they do not understand the Middle East. They don't understand that showing weakness just increases the chance of another October 7th. That's what it does. We cannot show weakness, and the U.S. administration wants us to show weakness. They want to create another state between the river and the sea, another state, a PA state, which will have control over the highlands overlooking the coastal plain where Tel Aviv is and 75% of our population is. That's what they want? That's the way to peace? Absolutely not. And by the way, Blinken uh, today, here on Wednesday, met with Holocaust denier PA head Mahmoud Abbas. According to TOI, the U.S. wants to see a revamped and revitalized Palestinian Authority eventually taking over the Gaza Strip. So again, those uh, who rewarded Hamas, putting them on their payroll, those who carried out the October 7th massacre, the PA rewarded Hamas, put them on their payroll, part of their pay-to-slave program. The PA, who was supposed to use their training and weapons as part of Oslo to destroy Hamas, instead, they turned their guns on Israel. They're the ones who are going to be given control of Gaza for a second time. 
if the U.S. gets what they want. They couldn't handle it the first time, and they certainly can't handle it now. They are so weak, the Palestinian Authority, and they hate Israel. So what good is that going to do? This whole notion of a revitalized Palestinian Authority and giving them a state is absolutely nonsense, and more so is is an existential threat to the state of Israel. This would be a tremendous mistake. We've already made enough mistakes, folks. Oslo, the so-called disengagement, the expulsion of Jews from Gaza. We've already made too many mistakes. Two mistakes too many, both of those. And yet the U.S. in this administration, I should say this administration, I should be clear, because I think the people in the United States, I know the people in the United States get it, but this, this administration, administration certainly does not get it. Trying to make us go down that path for promises of peace again when all it leads is to more and more terrorism. Speaking of terrorism and terror supporters, the UN Watch organization, which does amazing work, they released a report uh, either late last night or this morning showing that a telegram group of 3,000 UNRWA teachers, that's the United Nations Relief Works Agency, right, in Gaza, this telegram group is replete with posts celebrating the Hamas massacre of October 7th. This is a UN body. This is a U, uh, an UNRWA group. Okay? These are teachers in Gaza who represent the United Nations. Minutes after the October 7th massacre began, they began, they started praising the murderers and rapists as heroes glorifying the education the terrorists received, gleefully sharing photos of dead or captured Israelis, and urging the execution of hostages. This is UNRWA. This is UNRWA. Hillel Neuer, executive director of UN Watch, said this is the mother load of UNRWA teachers' incitement to jihadi terrorism. This is a telegram chat group meant to support teachers and instead... Instead, is used to praise jihad, to praise October the 7th. And this is who UNRWA really is. If anybody had any doubt, okay, until now, who UNRWA really was, they thought they were doing any good in this region, you thought they were helping so-called refugees or helping people, this is who UNRWA is. They are a Hamas shill. And what should Israel do? Israel should send UNRWA packing. We might not be able to pull it off in Gaza right now. Who knows? Maybe we can't get them out of there. Arrest them for inciting to hatred and praising the education they gave those who carried out the October 7th massacre. But UNRWA, let's remember, UNRWA has a presence in Jerusalem. Presence in Judea and Samaria. And they have a presence 10 minutes from downtown Jerusalem in some of these neighborhoods. Israel should send them home. Give them a one-way ticket out of here. They teach Arab kids to hate. We've known that for many years. They are no different than Hamas. They help Hamas. They are Hamas. Send them out of here immediately. A one-way ticket out of here. That's what should be done with UNRWA. Once and for all. I don't know why it's taken so long. We've known this for years about the hate education. No surprises there. Now's the time to send UNRWA packing. President Trump 
did the right thing by pulling the U.S. funding to UNRWA, and I hope the next president in the U.S. pulls their budget funding as well. They are a corrupt organization who side with evil, and they should be sent out of here once and for all. Turning to the uh, actual war front, JNS reported that the uh, IDF struck some 150 targets across Gaza over the past 24 hours between Tuesday and Wednesday. Ground operations continued in Khan Yunus and Al-Maghazi. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, the IDF said today, this morning, IDF forces uncovered more than 15 tunnel shafts, seized rocket launchers, missiles, UAVs, explosive devices during targeted raids on Hamas sites. Uh, Troops also destroyed a machine used for manufacturing rockets. During operational activity in Khan Yunus, ground forces directed an airstrike that eliminated 10 terrorists. It's slow but steady, folks. Folks, we are taking out Hamas. It's taking a long time, but it's happening. Okay? Dozens of terrorists have been killed, said the military reported by JNS over, over, uh, over the last several days. Uh, going back here to um, Khan Yunus, by the way, that's, you know, that's believed to be uh, where Sinwar, head of Hamas, is hiding out, perhaps surrounded by Israeli hostages. Please, God, we will release those hostages soon and we will finish off Hamas, including the head of the snake, Sinwar, and all his friends. They, please, God, will be gone soon and evil will be wiped out down there in Gaza and the world will be a better place. Uh, JNS also reports here, turning back to Judea and Samaria, an alarming increase in illegal Arab construction along the Judean-Samaria barrier, talking about the security barrier here, thanks to research done by Regavim. They've uncovered this. It's tremendous. It's thousands of illegal structures right alongside the security fence. Analyzing photography obtained through aerial reconnaissance, Regavim discovered tens of thousands of illegal structures built along that barrier, uh, which is along our armistice, uh, 1949 armistice line. Much of the Arab construction is new, created within the last 10 months, according to reports by Regavim. We're talking about 7,675 illegal structures uh, in the southern Hebron Hills, Judea, Gush Etzion, and Samaria. Another 18,000, uh, rather 16,866 illegal structures in the area of uh, the northern, the tip of the northern Jordan Valley towards Ein Gedi. So the Arabs, under the PA, while the world looks away, and by the way, a lot of this funded by the European Union, are building all these illegal structures right alongside the armistice line. It's supposed to be the security buffer, right? Within one kilometer of Israeli communities, these illegal buildings are located one kilom- within one kilometer of Israeli communities in the central and coastal plain areas. According to Naomi Khan, Director of International Relations at Regavim, some of these structures are so close to the line you can reach your arm out from them and touch homes in Jewish communities in Kochav Yair, Rosh Ha'ayin, and Modi'in. So you have the security fence there, which has all of these holes in it. So we'll say it's a so-called security fence. And again, I don't believe that this is, you know, a lot of debate what led to the uh, the drop, significant drop in terrorism back in the 2000s. Uh, I believe the uh, theory, 
as I've interviewed senior officials, uh, IDF officials over the years, that it was the Israeli presence and the Israeli ability to re-enter the towns in Area A under the PA. That is what caused the drop in terror attacks, suicide bombings, and the like. Not the security barrier, but, you know, those uh, there are those who have belief that it was the security barrier um, which uh, trended, which led to the trend downward in attacks. I say no. I say it was our presence till this day. The reason why the IDF thwarts 90, 95% of attacks in Judea and Samaria is because we now have the ability to go into areas A and root out the terrorism, uh, which we do each and every day. The IDF does the brave men and women each and every day and each and every night in places like Janine and Tilkarm in these areas, and it's happening now. That's why there's a sharp decline. Unfortunately, sometimes the attacks do happen, but for 95% of the time, attacks are thwarted. But back to what we were talking about, you have all this illegal construction right alongside the armistice line. Isn't anyone worried in the center of the country? I'm talking about another October 7th style attack. Isn't our government worried? How do they let these structures, we're talking about in Area C, how do they let these structures stand? And if a Jew, by the way, if a Jew pitches a tent in Area C within minutes or hours at the most, if that tent doesn't have the proper paperwork, it's taken down. So what's going on here? Where is our leadership? Where is our strength? Where is our ability to take down illegal Arab construction in Area C, especially that Arab construction, which is so close and, and these homes could be used as the front lines? God forbid, God forbid in an attack on Israel's coastal plain where 75% of the population lives. So if you're listening to me and you're down in Tel Aviv, you should be worried. You should be calling on our government to take action and take down these buildings which could be used as terrorist posts and hideouts and lookouts and places to launch rockets and mortar shells just like we're seeing in Gaza. And that's what you should be communicating to your elected officials, that this is unacceptable. Regavim, by the way, has for years called on the state authorities to address illegal Arab construction in Area C, which falls entirely under Israeli control. According to the Oslo Accords, Area C, remember, is under his full Israeli control. But the PA has attempted through unlawful construction with the help of, as I mentioned before, of the European Union and their funding put up these illegal buildings, and uh, we need to do much, much more on this. This is becoming a real, or it already is, I shouldn't say becoming, this already is a major, major threat to Israeli security, to the Israeli ability to build in Area C, in areas where we do have permission from the government to build. This is a major, major issue, and I only wish we would do more. There's so many issues here on UNRWA, illegal building in Area C, I mean, there's so many things that need to be done, folks. If you're listening and you're in the, in the United States, you're in the U.S. or you're in Canada, you're somewhere else and you're thinking about Aliyah, you want to help come solve these issues, come on over. We need your help. We need as many Jews as possible to make Aliyah to Israel to come over and solve these issues. Help us, okay? You can also sit where you are and point and say, Israel has so many different issues and we're dealing with X, Y, and Z and, and whatnot. Help us solve these issues. You can do it. You can make Aliyah. You can be a part of this. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. It's mostly good, folks. It really is mostly good, even with all this stuff going on.
as unfortunately we have to get back to the news, but I just sidetracked here. Come on over and help us be a part of this. Be a part of Jewish history. Be on the front lines and help make a difference. Anyway, the families of 132 Israeli hostages being held in Hamas, by Hamas yesterday held a protest march in an attempt to disrupt the transfer of aid to Gaza, calling on Israel to halt the flow of aid until their loved ones are released. I believe Israel should never be sending aid into Gaza, certainly while our Israelis, our fellow brothers and sisters, are being held hostage by Hamas. Why are we sending them aid? I don't understand. Cut off the aid. Okay. We should have cut off the aid. We should never have started the aid. Number one, at least until the hostages are are back home, but even more so, I don't think Gaza should get one drop of aid at all. Okay, which country sends aid to its enemy in times of war? I just don't get it. I've heard all the excuses and the reasons why, but I don't accept one word of it. No aid to Gaza. No aid to Gaza. Let the people there turn on their leaders. Let them turn on Hamas once and for all. Let's get to a point where those who are guard- those who are guarding the hostages have had enough and are hungry and understand that the only way to be fed is to give back our people. We are enabling our enemy. We see Hamas stealing the trucks. So don't pretend that the aid is actually going to so-called civilians. And again, hard to say if there are any civilians in Aza. You see them celebrating, so many celebrating on October 7th, and so many taking part in the massacre on October 7th. So let's not even call them civilians, but it's so frustrating to see Hamas just stealing truckload after truckload. And we just keep going along with it. We just keep sending aid. Which doesn't get to people there. It gets to Hamas. It's very, very frustrating. Times of Israel reports here. The BBC News Network apologized over the weekend. Wow, they actually apologized for a report late last month on its radio station in which it accused the IDF of executing so-called Palestinians in Gaza. In a report that ran on, on overnight on December 24th, the BBC said there was a story about Hamas accusing the IDF of, quote, carrying out summary executions in Gaza. Obviously, that is false. The BBC took two weeks, okay, and then issued a statement apologizing, saying that it was not truthful, that we hadn't, BBC said we had not made sufficient effort to seek corroborating evidence to justify reporting the Hamas claim. We apologize. It's bad enough they took Hamas evidence as fact, Hamas lies as facts, and spread those lies on their network, right? The big BBC spreading Hamas lies, waiting two weeks and then apologizing. So those people out there looking for reliable media, just make sure you understand you cannot trust most of the mainstream media and their coverage of what's going on here in Israel. Here is the UK's largest and supposedly most prestigious organization, right? News organization, taking the word of a terrorist organization at face value without doing any homework. And then on top of it, taking two weeks to apologize. That's the BBC. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for today. Again, there's other things we can talk about. And I'm not brushing aside the fact that in the last 24 hours, we've been told that at least... From what I know, 10 Israeli soldiers have been killed in fighting in Gaza in the last two days. Don't think I'm forgetting about them. It's too painful, folks. It's too painful, first of all, to talk about it. 
And secondly, I really want people to understand, even with the bad news and the negative and, and the soldiers who have been killed, we are winning this war, as painful as it is. So I'm not trying to be insensitive to the reality. There are plenty of sources to find the stories of those killed and what exactly happened. I mean, I personally this morning came from a shiva house of a neighbor's son who was killed in Gaza. It's very, very sad. And maybe if I have more strength at some point, we can talk about those brave men and women who gave their lives for our country. Right now, in the midst of it, it's too difficult, folks. So I apologize. I hope you understand. Well, forgive me. I'm not trying to be insensitive. There were 10 soldiers, IDF soldiers killed over the last 24, 48 hours. And may God avenge their blood. Hashem Yakom Damam. May God avenge their blood, each and every one of them, and, and the other 100 plus. I don't know. I don't have the exact figure in front of me. I think we're at 170 or 180 soldiers, in addition to all those who lost their lives surrounding October the 7th. May God avenge all of their blood. And that's going to do it for today from the still beautiful, very beautiful hills of Judea here in Gush Etzion. The sun is shining bright. I have the privilege of being outdoors right now on this beautiful, nice, brisk, chilly winter day here in Gush Etzion. Just before the storm, this weather storm is what I'm referring to. We're supposed to get rain, which is a blessing in Israel to get rain in the winter over the next several days. I hope it happens. So that's going to do it. Thank you to Tabitha Epstein, engineer, Benjamin Bresky. We wouldn't be able to do these shows without Ben and without Tabitha. Thank you to them. Get in touch with me during the week, Josh at the land of Israel.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Yes, I usually do my show on Monday. This week it was Wednesday. Those are just the circumstances. So... Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Shalom, shalom from the hills of Judea, just south of Jerusalem, our eternal capital, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Be safe, everyone. Let's pray, continue to pray for the well-being of our brave IDF soldiers down in Gaza. Please, please keep praying. Have a great week, everyone. Shalom, shalom.